You can call her mayhem or mayday Talk shit, she at your head I ain't talking bald face She don't fuck with baby daddies Fucking up the funk sway Taking care of four kids Sunday to Sunday Fly earth and round trips When she hit the runway Comedy original She do shit her own way Made the stage her place Moving at her own pace Fuck with her the wrong way This gonna be a long day She watch basketball wives Loving hip hop too Born in 81 One day four turned to 82 Funny, ratchet, and cute. She a winner, that's true. She don't even take L's eating alphabet soup. Mayday, mayhem, 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 mayday, mayhem. She a cool black nerd, always been smart. Ever since she turned eight, wanted her name in the charts. Monty Python was a shit. Richard Pryor made a star. Red Fox and Eddie Murphy, inspiration to her art. Welcome back to the Mayday Mayhem Podcast. And I am your host, Mayday Mayhem. And one more time for the people. And we will be talking about a young man that helped um, break through life for us here in America. And also we will talk about the fedazzle, which is the fuckery with the dazzle on it. That's just a little dazzle I put on it. But first, um, let's give and pay homage to Mr. Benjamin Benecker. Now, if you do not know who Benjamin Benecker was, he was not only an astronomer and an author but he was an inventor and he invented something that we use each and every day. Every person has one of these in their household. I don't care what color you are. You have one of these in your house. 
You have one in your car. Everywhere you look, there's one. And there, it's pretty much gifted due to this African-American, Benjamin Benneker. And we will get to that as we go on. But first, let's talk about Mr. Benjamin Benneker, shall we? Now, he was born November 9th in 1731. And he was born a free. Y'all heard that keyword? A free African-American man. Now, his parents were born into slavery, but they were free. But we will get to that as we read along. But he was a free African-American author, surveyor, landowner, and farmer who had knowledge of mathematics and natural history. Now, not only was he born in Baltimore County, Maryland, to a free African-American woman and a former slave, Banneker, Banneker had little or no education and was largely self-taught. He became known assisting Mayor Andrew Elcott in a survey that established the original boundaries of the District of Columbia, the federal capital district of the United States of America. Now, this man was not only born a free black man, his mother was a slave and she was a free slave. And not only that, he helped establish the original boundaries of the District of Columbia. That's the capital city of the United States of America. Yeah. Banneker's knowledge of astronomy helped him author the commercially successful series of almanacs. He corresponded with Thomas Jefferson on topics of slavery and racial equality. Jefferson, having earlier drafted the United States Declaration of Independence, abolished and advocates of racial equality promoted and praised Benneker's work. So as you see, he was a self-taught African-American man. In a time when black people were not allowed to be free, we were property. We were not allowed to be walking around on our own, doing our own thing, surveying land, helping make almanacs. Anybody know about Thomas Jefferson? He made almanacs. He was uh, also a farmer too. He did all that, that shit too. So he was out there with them like... um. What? What's good? What's cracking? He had to know the stars. He had to know that in order to even do the ground surveying because you had to know where the stars and lines and everything was aligned. I love astronomy. That's why my brain tingles. My little brain tingles when I hear astronomy. I love stars. I, I believe in the placement of stars. It affects the way people feel, the way people think, the way the world feels, the way the world thinks. So yes, I am a strong believer in astronomy. And when I hear that, whoa, a black astronomer in 1700s, back there then, yeah, 
her brain tingling. Her brain is on fire. Ew, made it me him. So, <laughs> um, I just love astronomy. I love the stars. I love it. I really do. I really, really do. Um, he really did do all this. So, but let's talk about how he was a free man. Benjamin Benneker was born in 1731 in Baltimore County, Maryland to Mary Benneker, a free black, and Robert, a free slave from Ghana who died in 1759. There are two conflicting accounts of Benneker's family history. Benneker himself and his earliest biographies described him as having only African ancestry. None of Benneker's surviving papers describe a white ancestor or identify the name of his grandmother. Grandmother. I don't know why it's a grandmother. <laughs> I don't know what I've been listening to lately. His grandmother. However, later biographies have contended that Benneker's mother was the child of Molly Walsh, a former white indentured servant. Now, those who don't know, indentured servants only served between a time of 7 to 11 years that they were slaves. After that, they were free. And pretty much only white people were indentured servants. And an African and an African slave named Benica. The first published description of Molly Walsh was based on interviews with her descendants that took place in 1836, along after the deaths of both Molly and Benjamin. According to the story, Molly purchased Benica to help establish a farm located near the future site of Elcott Mills, Maryland, west of Baltimore. The biography suggests in 2002 that Benica may have been a member of the Daga people, who were several anthropologists have claimed had early knowledge of astronomy. Molly suspected free, Molly supposed, supposedly, oh, y'all can't talk today. Molly supposedly freed and married Banica, who have shared his knowledge of astronomy with her. The biography suggested that Benjamin acquired his knowledge from Molly, as Benjamin was born after Banica's death. Hmm. That was a mouthful. That was a lot. Why, why can't just be that the man was had this knowledge. I'm keeping it high the hat is. He was free. Yes, he was free. He obtained this knowledge. He had already in his DNA and his roots. Why y'all gotta go around changing shit? See, I don't know. In 1736, Benica was named at the age of six on a deed of his family hundred acre farm in Patapasco Valley in rural Baltimore County. 
The letter stated that in 1791, the Banneker parents sent him to an obscure school where he learned reading, writing, and arithmetic as far as doubled position. However, remainder of Banneker's early life is not well documented. Now, if anyone don't know, when I was growing up, well, I'm not that up in age. But I remember I grew up around a lot of older people. And that's what they would call it. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's why I can say that shit so well. Read, write, and arithmetic. I remember that. And arithmetic wasn't nothing but math. You know. Teach you reading. They teach you how to write. And they teach you math. That was it. And they called it arithmetic. Now... Either way it go, Benjamin Banneker is the man. He's the shit. In my book. I don't know about y'all, but in my book. He the shit. And we ain't even got to why he the shit yet. Because y'all ain't ready. You ain't ready. See, y'all thought I forgot. But I didn't forget. Because y'all ain't ready to know why he the bomb dizzle right now. Y'all ain't even ready. But I'm going to tell you. If you did not know, for one, he did grow up on a tobacco farm. Yes, he did. And it was pretty much a hundred acre farm and his parents were smart as hell. We're going to put it in his name. He did have other siblings. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he had three sisters um, and another brother. But he had other siblings and everything like that. And... His parents want the best for him. They grew up as slaves. They got freed. However way they got freed, they got freed. And they never wanted their child to have to, or any of their children, to have to deal with slavery or something be taken from them again. They created a foundation for Benjamin. So I applaud them and any parent that does the same. I feel that. But, not only was Benjamin Banneker a astronomer, a surveyor, a self-taught, because they don't talk about how he was self-taught, how he self-taught himself other math, he self-taught himself astronomy, he self-taught himself the stars, how to track and align the stars to know that if this star is here tonight and it starts moving a little more east this way. Well, this land's got to be tilted. You have to know that shit. That's math. That's shit that made a mayhem don't have. Because why? My blur, my brain would explode. Dude. Like, dude, you never understand. Like, my brain would explode. Come telling me. Triangulate 23 degrees, 45 seconds north, and two seconds. What? Oh, hell no. Nah, what? Look, bruh. Y'all need to go find somebody smart like that. Mm-mm. Shit. Mm-mm. If you give me a pencil and paper, and I can have two plus two, and I know that equal four. I got y'all. Got you. Hey. Even five minus three equals two. Bam! She can add and subtract. She can multiply. 
Two times one is two. Bam, gotcha. I can divide. I can do all that. But when you start doing that, degrees, uh-uh, you lost me. I'm gone. She gone somewhere. She, She's that little ring of smoke. Poof, gone. She gone. That's all you hear. Go. I say that because I just don't have patience for it. And it takes a lot of hard work, diligence, patience, intelligence, strides, and strength to look at the stars and be able to survey it. This man helped survey our capital city people. He helped survey capital city with Thomas with uh with Thomas Jefferson. Am I saying that right? Because I'm so excited to be talking about him. Y'all don't know. I, I've been wanting to do this for a minute. Thomas Jefferson, yeah. He helped survey this with Thomas Jefferson. And he was self-taught. And I and I don't want no one to ever take that from him. And my viewers and listeners, don't let no one take that from you. Anything that you work hard and strive for and won't. You can do it. Even you don't have the, the, the no, the will to, well, not will, but the money to go to a prestigious college and, and get these degrees. But that doesn't mean you can't learn about these things that you want to know and pursue them in different ways <clears throat> and pursue them, excuse me, and pursue them in different ways. That's not what that means. Take a drink of water. Excuse me. That's not what that means. That means that if you can work hard and strive hard, you can do anything. That's how I look at Benjamin Banneker. Because not only was this man all this, this man invented a clock. Hello. Oh, y'all wasn't ready for the clock. That was the damn I wanted to drop on y'all. Yes. Benjamin Banneker has been contributed with making the very first wooden clock that ran for 50 years. You heard me. You don't believe me? Look it up. I tell y'all all the time. Look it up. In 1752, Benneker granted public acclaim by building a clock entirely out of wood. The clock, believed to be the first built in America, kept precise time for decades. In 1789, Banneker began making astronomical calculations that enabled him to successfully forecast solar eclipse. I'm telling you, the man... Man was so bright and brilliant and strived and wanted to work so much that he built a clock that was so precise to the time. We use that, we use that motherfucker right now. If you hear that ticket in my background, that's my clock. I have a clock in every room of my house. A regular clock, not a digital, but a regular hands, little hand, big hand clock on every wall in my house. It's one in my kitchen. 
living room, dining room, my bedroom, my recreational room, uh, my little studio area. There is a clock. And that's the track time. That's what Benjamin Benneker did. This man created a clock. The first clock in America. He's contributed with that. And I, his brain was so bright and brilliant. And he does not get enough recognition for what he's done. This, this motherfucker made a clock. And it ran for 50 years. Literally 50 years. 50 years. A wooden clock that was so precise that it, 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 it was, it, it was remarkable. Remarkable. It, it was totally remarkable. And my mind goes to what other inventions was in that big, beautiful brain of his. What other catalogs did he have? He created, he also was able to track solar eclipse. That's astronomy. That's dealing with the stars. That's looking at the Mercury, the moon. Mercury is in retrograde. Mars in retrograde. Venus is coming in from the ninth uh, degree. And the moon is full. We're about to have a super onyx mega equinox bulging sword moon. He was able to predict that. Now, did I just make that up? Hell yeah, I just made that up. Were some of those words true? Probably. Half of them? Yeah. A couple of them? Mm-hmm. But, just saying. He was able to predict this. You have to understand that. Math and astronomy and with the prediction and the alignments and all of that. That is a science. And for Benjamin Banneker to teach himself that on his own self-taught and able to survey the land and part of our United States Capitol and be born a free man during a time of one of the most Horrific slave trades right in the middle of it. He was born a free man and become an astronomer. And not only that, he made pretty much the first clock in America out of all wood and ran for years. And it was precise to the detail, to the dime. To time. That took a lot. That took brain power. That took smarts. That took diligence. That took a lot. A lot, lot. And so that's why um, I'm very intrigued by Benjamin Banneker. Because he not only taught himself that. But he was a pretty much the first black man to make a clock and it's something that we use every day so yeah that's why I have clocks everywhere in my house that's why Benjamin Banneker is really in
kind of important to me. You know, this man studied the stars, astronomy, able to predict the next eclipse, you know, and all of these things. Whether it was what he was taught from his grandmother or his mother or the Dagon tribe that was assumed to be part of his family, however way he got his knowledge, he used it and he applied it to the world. He applied it so that we all can use it. He applied it to where it was literally, no pun intended, timeless, to say the least. Timeless. So every time I look at a clock on the wall, you know, I really do think of Benjamin Banneker because he was the first black man and the first person to make a wooden clock that was so precise to the time that it ran for over 50 years. Like I said, my people look it up. I, I have no reason to lie. And that's why my brain tingles. I, I love knowledge. I love science. And like I say, he made calculations and predictions that was patterns that we still use to this day. Not only that, the astronomer stars, when we look at the stars and we look at certain forecasts and even the farmer's almanac, he helped build that farmer's almanac with Thomas Jefferson because he did survey the land, he did survey the stars, he did survey the sky. So that's a lot to be proud of. And I salute him. Like he, I tip my hat to him like, you go boy, M, and me, him, M. Now, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about that bullshit. That, that, that bullshit that makes me angry. Makes me mad. We'll talk about it when I come back. And I want to take this time to thank you for listening to the Mayday Mayhem podcast. And I am your host, Mayday Mayhem. And you can not only catch me on Anchor FM, but you can catch me on Breaker. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. If you have a streaming device, listen to your girl, Mayday Mayhem. I would also like to take this time and thank all my sponsors and listeners support because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So I would like to say thank you and I love y'all. Let's keep going on with the show. And we are back. Thank you for tuning in to the Mayday Mayhem podcast. I am your host, Mayday Mayhem. And 
as I just gave praise for Benjamin Banneker for creating and doing something to inspire not only himself, but the world and how the things he does well, the things he did then, as minute and as minimal as it is, as making a wooden clock is, that we use it to our advantage now. That's what we talked about in the first half. Now we're going to talk about bullshit. That fuckery bullshit I told you about. It. That, that. That's what we're going to talk about. If you have not seen, it's an artist, a rap artist, and he has a very large following by the name of Little Uzivert that has implanted a $24 million pink diamond in the middle of his forehead. Now, <laughs> I, you know, um, I'm proud that this young man was able to work hard, get on his grind, and able to afford and pay for this. He said he had been seeing this pink diamond since 2017, and he paid for it, and he worked hard to pay for it. I ain't mad at you. Ew, do your thing, bruh. However, this motherfucker had it implanted in the middle of his forehead. Yes. In the middle of your forehead. And it's nothing wrong with buying items like that. Like I said, you deserve it. You owe it to yourself to work hard for things and if you want that thing and you worked hard for that thing you buy that thing but if you take this thing and i put it in the middle of my forehead and it's 24 million dollars pink diamond in my forehead first thing that comes to mind is thanos is coming thanos is coming thanos is coming i'm just waiting for the hulk to hit Earth any second that and holler Thanos is coming. All because little Utsuvert want to put a fucking pink diamond in the middle of your goddamn forehead. Now, he could have went, got him a nice piece of jewelry and had it custom made for him. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I it, eh, could have that done. Or... You know, something, something else other than in the middle of your forehead. And the reason he asks, the asks the reason, you know, well, why did you do this? He said because he wanted to turn into a diamond. Now I understand, you know. Diamond in the rough, you know, <laughs> and it takes a pressure to make diamond. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I feel all that. But we are not talking about a tiny 
diamond that, you know, oh my God. No, 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 no. We're not even talking about a diamond, like the blue diamond that was missing from the Titanic. No, Rose, why did you throw a diamond in the water? No, Rose, why? This one had a diamond about that size in the middle of his motherfucking forehead. This motherfucker right here. Like, oh my God. It's like, what makes me angry is because you, he's so talented. And he has so much ambition and, you know, talent behind his music. And this is what you choose to do. This is what you, you choose to do. And, you know, I understand some people are saying, oh, it's awesome. It's, it, it's, it's cool. It's, it, this is, it's not weird. There's nothing wrong with piercings and that's that's fucking awesome there's nothing wrong with that but the thing is you're messing with that thing in the middle of your forehead if you don't know in the middle of your forehead you know you have that gland in the middle of your forehead like they call it quote unquote the third eye and when you are putting a precious stone in front of that part of your brain like yo you could be doing something to your brain because literally it even showed videos he had just had it done. You saw nice big gooey red drop down. Now he deleted it from off of Twitter. But you know, this is the time of technology. You put it out there, somebody gonna catch it. So somebody caught it on Instagram and then he cleaned it up and came back. Now this was implanted by a trained professional you know this is not something that he just went and did on a spur no he actually did think about doing it and like i said there's nothing wrong with that but when you start messing with the middle of your forehead like uh and eh, and the thing with jewels you know, some jewels drain energy. Some jewels give you energy. And this is a pink diamond. You know. <sighs> but that's his body. I'm just angry because. 24 million. You could have done so much more with that. You could have. Pushed this more for. Your. Your, your stardom, you're already very high up there on the pedestal as in entertainers. You're very high up there, but this could have went toward more of your entertainment expenses. Yes, it's a beautiful pink diamond, but I don't think it should have been implanted in your forehead near that, that middle of your forehead, near that that gland, because there is a gland behind that bone, you know, and, you know, it could disrupt something, you know, and it's, it's, 
to each his own. I'm just saying you have so much intelligence and so much drive and uh, and it seems like it's slowly being churned because not only that, him and uh, Elon Musk's girlfriend Grimes, which I have my own pick with Elon Musk. Don't get me started on him. But not only that, but little Utsivert also wants a brain implant, a brain chip. Him and Grimes, which is Elon Musk's girlfriend, Elon Musk is trying to make a patented brain chip where you can pretty much download all your information into this one chip or you can have all information downloaded into your brain. And little Utsivert is... um. Quoted with saying, um, let's do it. You know, yeah. The tweet pretty much went like, um, Grimes, um, responding to Utsivert, Lil Utsivert's tweet saying, let's get brain chips. And he insisted, I'm ready when we doing it. Grimes answered, let's aim for the chips by 2022. It's experimental surgery, but if it succeeds, we will have the knowledge of the gods. Ha ha ha. Utsubert replied, okay, I'll call you for more details. Now, all of this is so conspiratorial because Blessed we have the knowledge of the gods. Ha ha ha. If it was meant for us to have the knowledge of the gods, we would have it. And honestly, we already have the knowledge of the gods. We don't need a chip to put it into our brain. We already have the knowledge of the gods. We already have the knowledge. And did you hear that? We have the knowledge of the gods. Ha ha. Not of God. Of the gods. So this is very, like I said, very conspiratorial. But like I said, you already have that knowledge. You already have it in your mind. All you have to do is, for one, stay off bullshit. Meditate. Be clear of mind. Don't be on no bullshit. If you stay free of bullshit, the knowledge is there. Even says the Bible, seek and you shall find. If it's something you want to know, look for it. We live in a time of technology. If you want to know something, all you got to do is go look for it. It's like as though they want to skip that and say, where's that? We don't want to look for it. It's almost become, we're becoming a lazy civilization where we want it. Right here, right now, give it to me, right here, right now, right right now, right here, right now. Instead of one step, two step, three step, four, it's instantaneous gratification. Instantaneous. Instead of that ah, fulfilling gratification. It's that instantaneous gratification. I call it gratification crack. 
It's that instantaneous gratification. And no sooner you get it, it's gone. And now it's like, I need more, I need more. Instead of that fulfilling gratification where you took the time and know how to learn this knowledge. Like Benjamin Van Ecker, he took the time and knowledge to learn everything he did. It took a lifetime where he grew up on a tobacco farm where he never left. He never had any children. He never got married. He stayed dedicated to his work. Even to the point that when Benjamin Benecker died, a few days later, his um, place where he stayed at caught on fire. And quote unquote, uh, allegedly, a lot of his works and notes and findings went up in flames. Could have, it could not have. That's another conspiratorial debate I could have at a later time. However, the knowledge that he did have and that he did put forth, he put forth for not only himself, but for the world and for the world to know. As in this situation, it's as though they want, we want the knowledge of the gods for ourselves. <laughs> Instead of, let's take all this technology, let's take all this money and let's cure cancer. Let's like for real, for real, fuck talking about it. Fuck walking about it. Let's cure the shit. If you can sit up here and talk about putting a motherfucking chip in your head. Who will have the knowledge of the gods? You could be taking that same driving emphasis to put in to find a cure for certain diseases. Even though on another conspiratorial level, we know it's out here, but that's another day, another time. However, you could be putting forth to have that done. Especially Elon Musk. He's a fucking philanthropist, billionaire, trillionaire, godzillionaire. He is the owner of SpaceX. And he's talking about experimental brain chip. And if it works, these two motherfuckers want to get it. His girlfriend, which they ain't too long had a baby. And Lil Utsvert want to get brain chips together and they're aiming for 2022. It's experimental and if it works, it's experimental if it works. That means y'all experimental on that shit now because this is 2021 right now. 2022 is only about, mm, let me look at my watch, mm, about 10 months away. So please tell me what the fuck are you talking about, ma'am? So, at this day and age, we have to really protect our energy and protect our legacy and protect everything about us because it's getting to the point where we are losing ourselves in idle imagery and idle junk to say because if you did have all the knowledge of the gods what good is this pink diamond in the middle of your forehead for like I said not to say it isn't pretty it's pretty it's very pretty I like it now it's pretty but in the middle of your forehead you are 
really messing with your brain. That's my whole thing. It's messing with your brain. If it was meant to be there, you would have, and you mess with that third eye. If this was a way for you to say, I'm opening my third eye, this pink diamond is actually absorbing the energy of, we. you could say that. However, as absorb certain things, it also can absorb bad things. And do you want something constantly absorbing energy nonstop? into your brain that you really can't control. I don't think so. So, and then these brain chips, that's a whole nother situation. So, take the knowledge that you do have, set forward and build a foundation on it and make your knowledge a foundation. Make it a strong and sturdy foundation that you can build on and build out on. I don't want to see you implode. Because I don't want to implode. I want you to build up and out. Not implode in and on. Because now y'all talking brain chips and... Ooh, child. That's a different situation. So... We're going to end our podcast for the day. And I'm going to end my podcast the way I always end my podcast. And don't forget, y'all, check out this information. Look the shit up. She said it. On today, Tuesday the 9th. They tweeted it. It happened today. So, check it out. So, like I said, I'm going to end my podcast the way... I always end my podcast. If no one told you they love you, I do. I truly do. And do better today than you did yesterday. And strive for a better tomorrow today. Thank you and good night. You can call a mayhem a mayday. Talk shit, she at your head. I ain't talking bald face. She don't fuck with baby daddies. Fucking up the funk sway. Taking care of four kids. Sunday to Sunday. Fly her and round trips when she hit the runway. Comedy original. She do shit her own way. Made the stage her place. Moving at her own pace. Fuck with her the wrong way. This gonna be a long day. She watch basketball wives loving hip hop too. Born in 81. One day four turned to 82. Funny ratchet and cute.
Mayday Mayhem. Welcome back to the Mayday Mayhem podcast. I am your host, Mayday Mayhem. And today we will be talking about a few things. First and foremost, I want to bring homage to one of the first black female comedians in American history. And then we're going to talk about some comedic shit that if she was here, I know she'd be talking about it. But first off, let's talk about this. To me, is one of the first black female comedians in American history. You may not know her, but I know her. I grew up listening to her. Now, y'all have to understand, I am an 80s baby. I was born in 1980. And I grew up um, around a lot of older people. When I say older, I mean like majority of the people I grew up around were well in their 50s. Well into their 50s. So I grew up around an older group of people and I was very privy to hearing <laughs> this woman so I can literally go back and say yeah I remember growing up listening to them listening to her and if you do not know who I'm talking about I am talking about the world's none other Moms Mabley. Now, Moms Mabley was um, an African-American woman who was on the Chitlin circuit. That's where she started out. But we're going to get to that. But however, I did grow up listening to Moms Mabley, Flip Wilson, Red Fox, Red Fox, Richard Pryor. Um, and I'm talking about on the vinyls back there then my grandparents did not have um of course you know back there in 1980 there's no such thing as a, um a 
iPod or MP3 player, anything like that. We didn't even have CD players back there then. Um, Trying to think. I know we had the cassette players. But I'm pretty sure um, back there then they really did have like the A-tracks. And those type of uh, things. And they did have cassette players because I can remember they had the little recorders. And it's conversations of all the older people talking amongst themselves. It's it's just something that they used to do <laughs> back there when I was younger, the older people. But um, anyway, yeah. So I know they had the A track and the cassette. So, but mainly we would hear it on the vinyl because where I grew up, it was a large building and it was only about maybe six children in the whole building. And I'm talking about from the age of newborn to maybe around ah eight, nine years old. You know, somewhere up in there, it was only a small amount of children in this building. So, and the rest of the building was the majority older people. So, you know, running through the hallways and going back and forth to my grandmother's house and to my parents' house, because we all stayed in this one big building. Um, Back and forward, you know, you would hear Mom's Mabley. Flip Wilson. You would hear all these things playing throughout the hallways. So I literally grew up listening to Mom's Maybelline. That's why I'm so geeked and they go, my little brain tingling, y'all. The brain is start tingling again. It's tingling because I love Mom Maybelline. I really do. I'm a female comedian and I honestly based she is my foundation. Moms Mabley, I can say honestly, cold-heartedly, without a shadow of a doubt, she's my foundation. Her jokes are quick puns, quick stories, and I love them. And I, maybe that's why a majority of my comedy is based on stories that have the jokes within the stories. Maybe that's why. But mom Mabel, man, she was quick. Like, I can honestly remember one of the jokes that I can remember hearing on the vinyl was, um, can't nothing an old man do. Can't nothing an old man do, but show me where a young man is. That was like her always her schnick, you know. Can't no old man do nothing for me, but show me where a young man is, you know. And it was another one where I remember Biz, she said um, she was in the hospital and she had an enema. Y'all hear this right. <laughs> she was in the hospital and she had an enema. And they gave her coffee. And she said, ah. And the doctor asked, well, you know, well, what's wrong? It's too hot? She said, No too cold no what's wrong with this she said too sweet <laughs> you know it's a coffee in the mind you know it's too sweet you know <laughs> and that's what a lot of her jokes were about 
And the reason I do look up to Miles Mabley and I didn't realize it as I was younger, why I always liked her. But as I got older and I really did research on her, I understood why I loved her. And it wasn't because we share names. No. Even though I love my name, Mabel. It's awesome. I love it. And her name's Mom's Mabley. And I grew up as Miss Mabel. So <laughs> I love it. But the reason I have so much gratitude and homage to Mom's Mabley is because she didn't have it easy. For one, it's year 2021. And it's hard for me to be a female comedian. And for her to be not only a black, but a biracial female comedian back here in the 19... 30s and 20s and 40s. Moms Mabley, life was not easy. Her life was tumultuous in the beginning, but she never gave up. And what pisses me off is that there's not enough documentaries on. American black icons like Moms Mabley, um, Fip Wilson, uh, real commentary on Red Fox and where they really came from and how hard they really had to struggle and fight and really strive hard. To get what they wanted. And to get where they are. That's why. I look up to Moms Mabley. Like I really do. As a comedian. Like yes. I look up to her. Because this woman had endurance. And we're going to talk about her. For a second. Now. Moms Mabley was born. Loretta Ann Akins. And she was born March 19th. In 1894. Um, her stage name. She was known as Jackie. Moms Mabley. And was, she was an American stand-up comedian. And actress. Um, she began her stage career. In the 1920s. Mabley became a veteran entertainment. On the Chitlin circuit. Of African American. Vanderville. Mabley later recorded comedy albums and appeared in films and on television programs, including The Ed Sullivan Show and The Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. And I can remember my grandmother and them talking about that. Um, now we're going to talk about her early life and why I say that she, she could have easily given up. She could have easily have said I give up, but she did not. And we're going to talk about it. In her early life, Loretta Ann Atkins was born in 
Brevard, North Carolina. Oh, that guy excuse my slur. Let me get a sip, chow. Oh, chow. She was born in Brevard, North Carolina on March 19th in 1894. She was one of 16 children born to James Atkin and Mary Smith, who had married in 1891. Her father owned and operated several successful businesses while her mother kept house and took in boarders. Her teenage years were tumultuous. At age 14, at the encouragement of her grandmother, who was also an ex-slave, Atkins ran away to Cleveland, Ohio, and joined a traveling Bonderville-style minstrel show starring Butterbean and Susie, where she sang and entertained. Now, Butterbean and Susie... They was like the surrogate mother and father to her. They took her on, on um, pretty much like what we would have tours. That's all a minstrel show was. It it was a tour. They would take her on tours, and they showed her the ropes of the entertainment scene, and they looked after her. So, um, but the reason that. I can understand why her grandmother pushed her to run away and why she ran away. Because by the time Mom's Mabley was 15, she had had two kids. At age 11, she was raped by an elderly, well, older black man. And she gave birth to a child. And then again, at the age of 13, she was pretty much raped by a white sheriff. Both children were given up for adoption. However, how traumatic could this have been that this 11-year-old baby had to have a child and not only once, but twice. So she was pushed to run away. She, she just ran. But you also have to understand that in 1909, um, her father died. So around the same time that she gave birth to her first child, around the time of her 11th, around the time she was 11, her father died. Um, he was killed in a fire engine explosion while volunteering as a firefighter. Her mother took over the family's primary business, a general store. She was killed a few years later. She was run over by a truck while returning home from church on Christmas Day. Atkins adopted the stage name Jackie Mabley, borrowing the name from an earlier boyfriend, Jackie Mabley, who was also a performer. Jack Mabley, I'm sorry, who was also a performer. She remarked in 1970 Ebony interview that he had taken so much from her. The least she could do was take his name from him. Now, other than uh, um, two children she did have, she it's also said that she had four more children. Um, 
she had uh ba ba ba. Have all my notes here. It said that she had four more children. And they are named. But she was a part of, like I said, the Chitlin Circuit, which was, like I said, it was predominantly black and biracial entertainers that traveled around. And um, they did shows. They entertained. Now, this is crazy because I had everything set up for y'all, rested to go. However, but it was also said that she had four more children. She had a total of six children all together. But, um... To understand that your father was killed in an explosion trying to save people and your mom died on Christmas Day coming home from church. So she went on to Butterbean and Susie and it was a wrap from there. They, they quickly showed her how to 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 do how to do the stage how to work the stage how to work your crowd how to perform she was a singer she was a dancer she's an actress she was a performer um but yet again mom's mabley also faced other problems not problems but Diversity, because you have to understand, she was a also one of the first openly gay comedians of this time. She came out in the 1920s and 1930s as she appeared in Adronimus clothing and recorded several lesbian stand up routines. She came out as a lesbian at the age of 27, becoming one of the first openly gay comedians. Why is mom Mabley not praised more? For one, she was one of the first black female comedians. And then she was an openly gay comedian. And I mean, baby, she won't know. Oh, no one knows. No. And she had some bad bitches. On her arm. I must say so myself. She wasn't playing with him. So. She had to. Endure. A tumultuous early. Childhood and. Early life. But. She was able to. Come out as her true self. And didn't give a damn who didn't like it. Oh well. Oh, oh, well, you know, but other than that part of her personal life. Now, when we get to her comedy life, she was a trailblazer. She, um, 
She did several TV's appearances. Um, she did several, um, like I said, recorded several vinyls and LPs and all that. She did all that. And it was hilarious. Um, she was um, on the Pearl Bailey show in 1971. She pretty much performed all the way up from the age of pretty much 15 all the way up into to what 1975 cuz even in her final years she played in the uh movie Amazing Grace in 1974 Mabel suffered a heart attack she returned to work 3 weeks later after receiving a pacemaker but you know she died uh May 23rd in 1975 in White Plains, New York. Um, her other four children were Bonnie, Christine, Charles, and Yvonne Alley. Those are her other four children that she had. So in total, she had six children. She leaves behind a legacy that's like no other. But prior to that, her comedy, if you, if you like what they holler, raunchy comedy or not even raunchy comedy, real life comedy. Like I was listening to one of her, her routines that she did. And, you know, back there then, you know, you can bring a baby to the, um, to your look. Clubs, you know, you could bring kids and you could smoke and chew bubble gum and do all that back then. It was okay. It was fine. And, <laughs> and she was talking to the baby and she was like, Ooh, what's that you got? Yeah, a bottle. And somebody was like, wine. And she's like, that baby ain't got no wine in a bottle. And you may have been raised like that, you know. And she was very quick, quirky, even with. All comedians come across hecklers. Even with her hecklers, she was very quirky, very quick, very, I know you ain't talking to moms like that. And even her stage presence. Comedians, we pretty much have our stage presence and how we are off stage. On stage, she wore frumpy like house gowns, what we call dusters. You know, people from my age called dusters or house coats. And she kind of, she mimicked that from her grandmother, the one who pushed her to go off and chase your dreams, baby. Don't, don't stay here. Just run. Just go gone. Just gone. And she also paid homage to her own grandmother that way by dressing and taking some of her her indunendos her little her little quirks and putting them and making them her own and that's how she became mom's Mabley. she's a like a mother to everyone on the circuit not only that um her stage presence she had false teeth when she was on stage she would take her false teeth out when she's doing the show 
she takes her false teeth out. But when it was time for the show to be on, she popped them bad boys in, put on her suit, grabbed her chicks. Let's go. Let's ride. And she was out. I can't do nothing but respect that. And that's pretty much how, you know, most of the comedians are. When I am on stage, yes, I am Mayday Mayhem when I'm on stage. I present head to toe. You have nothing but Mayday Mayhem. Now, once I hop off that stage and I've taken off my costume, I've taken off my heels and I'm just regular old Mabel. Now, now it's, I right, yo, let's smoke some. Like, y'all want, y'all, 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 know I'm hungry, y'all. Let's go get something to eat. Want something to drink? Like, man, Joe, let's go. I'm hungry. You know, I, I just want to sit back, kick it. You know, I have my medical ID for my marijuana's. Like, I'm finna go in the back. Cause my, my, I think my, my, my temperature is rising and I need my medication. So I got, I got a card, y'all. I'm legal. So yeah, I got to pump my temple. And go puff on this little joint real quick. And I'll be back, y'all. I'll be back. But other than that, you know, I get it. And she earned that right to live her life however the hell she wanted to. She earned that right. But um, back to her, her, her skill set. She was a phenomenal woman. Phenomenal. And it's it's just it's just sad that she's not put out more. She's not pushed out more. That it's not more about her. And what you can gather is the things that you can try to gather. And some of it is half wrong. And that's what blows me. That's what fucking totally blows me. But um, being as it may, Miles Mabley, um, she also became known to, uh, in the 1960s, known wider to a white audience when she played, you finna hear this, Carnegie Hall in 1962. She made several TV appearances, like I said. Um, she did several openings for like Ike and Tina Turner. Um, let me see. And that was at the Greek theater. And she sang tribute to Louis Armstrong as part of a set. So she's, she was out there. She was a trailblazer. She was, she was in them streets. She was in them streets. She was out there with them. She was literally out there with Richard Pryor. Red Fox. She was she was out there with them. My girl played Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall in 
that says a lot. It says a lot. So I wanted to just pay some homage to Moms Mabley because she left a legacy that I'm striving for. Like, she was a real trailblazer. And I look up to her because she went through so much and she never gave up. Throughout the adversity she had, she never gave up. She could have easily surrendered and said, I, I give up. But she didn't. She didn't conform with what society thought she should have, could have, would have been. She became her own. And that's why I had to pay homage to, I had to give, had to give it up to Mom's Mabel. I had to, I had to, couldn't, couldn't have been no other, you know? So right now we are going to take a break. And when we come back, <laughs> we're going to talk about this bullshit, y'all, that's been in the news. I know y'all have seen it. I know y'all have seen it all on social media. I know y'all have seen it all everywhere. We're going to talk about Gorilla Glue and what the fuck is it actually used for when we come back on a Mayday Mayhem podcast. And I want to take this time to thank you for listening to the Mayday Mayhem podcast. And I am your host, Mayday Mayhem. And you can not only catch me on Anchor FM, but you can catch me on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. If you have a streaming device, listen to your girl, Mayday Mayhem. Ew. I would also like to take this time and thank all my sponsors and listeners support because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So I would like to say thank you and I love y'all. Let's keep going on with the show. And welcome back to the Mayday Mayhem podcast. I am your host, Mayday Mayhem. And we just finished discussing Mom's Mabley and giving homage to her. Now, let's talk about this other situation right here. Now, y'all, this glue. Now, everyone has heard of Gorilla Glue. And the uses of Gorilla Glue is what? To fix furniture, appliances, um, wooden things. It's a craft. It's a craft um, glue. Okay. Now, there's also a gel called got to be glued hair gel. Now, there is no comparison in them and there is no mixing up of neither one of them because one is for hair and one is not um it seems that um a woman uh miss brown she seemed 
to have went viral for having Gorilla Glue in her hair for over a month. And with that being said, it's like, whoa, why would you put Gorilla Glue in your hair? And, you know, she was like, I was in a rush and I, it, it wasn't on purpose, but I was in a rush and I, I didn't have any hair gel and I just slicked this down until I came back home to wash it out. It clearly says on the bottle, do not let come in contact with um, body parts, um, flesh. Why would you put it in your hair? There is no way I would put an adhesive for furniture in my hair. And some people feel bad for her. Some people roasting her. It's a combination of bubble for me. Like, oh, Paula, you little slickums. Why would you do that? And, but in all actuality, her and her family had been trying for a long time to get it out of her hair. She went to the, um, to the emergency room and they told her, you know, it's going to take us about 20 hours to get out. They was putting pretty much putting acetone on her hair and it was literally burning. Now, anything that you put on top of it and it burns, that means it's chemical damage. That girl got some chemical damage done to her hair. And she she did it to herself. And she said, you know, it wouldn't come out. And everyone thought that she was capping. And for my audience that do not know what capping means, that means lying. Everyone thought she was lying. You know, like, oh, you did this for stardom or fame. Now, yes, this was the most ridiculous thing anyone has ever done. However, do I believe she did this for clout? No, 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 no. I do not believe that this woman intentionally put this bullshit on her head just for clout. No, I don't believe that. Mm -mm. I believe that it really was a dumbass moment. We all have them. It's a dumbass moment. And she's actually living with it. Ooh, excuse me, burping. She's actually living with it. And um, the ridicule and everything behind it. Um, it comes with a lot. And she said the reason she went to the Internet, it wasn't for, of course, cloud or anything like that. It was really just for someone to help her. And she wished she would have never did it. Now. She says her son, she had to go somewhere and her son had her car. So, bam, stop. Your son had your car. So, that means you you mainly up here around my age. You might be a little younger than me, but you're about my age. I don't care how much in a hurry I'm in. And especially, you know, us black girls, we like to keep our hair slick laid and bam, have it smoking. But I, there's no way I'm putting any adhesive that's for 
furniture or anything else that's not to go on my head or on my body, on my hair. I'm not. I'm just not. But she did it. And she, of course, she said, no, I didn't do this for clout. This, that, and the third. Now, after the whole world and laughed at her for about a couple of days since she came forward, a surgeon did come forward, a plastic surgeon, and he said he was able to get it out of her hair. Now, um, he did it for absolutely free, no charge. He got it out of her hair. And the first thing after she got it out of her hair, it was tears of joy. But then the first thing she said was, oh, I got to get my hair done. Well, Valentine's Day, I got a date. See, that's the shit that makes me mad. You did not learn your lesson. You did not learn your lesson. First thing out your mouth, once you get out your head is, oh, when I'm going to get, I have to go to a, have a date. I got to get my hair done. Come on. That's why people would think it's for clout or things like that. Me personally, no, I do not think it was for clout. I think she just did a dumbass move and really did some real dumb shit for real, to be honest. And she did it. But others would misconstrue it with clout. If you sitting up here talking about some, oh, it's Valentine's Day, my hair, I gotta get my hair done. Getting your hair done should be the last thing on your mind. Ain't this what the fuck got you in this situation from the get-go? Trying to make sure that damn head is good. Oh, my hair is gone. I can't even put it in the ponytail. And you hear someone, I guess the doctor said, oh, you'll be able to put it in the ponytail about six weeks from now. Six weeks is better than you still walking around with this shit in your hair. You have to raise money to get it out of your hair. I would take that over anything else. If I was her, I wouldn't even want to see a fucking piece of jail. I wouldn't want to see nothing. I wouldn't want to be bothered with no jail, no hair products, no nothing. None of that. Keep, Y'all keep that shit new. But this is first thing she said. But that's exactly what she wanted to get her hair done. But see, not only that. This is another thing that angers me because, okay, she did this thinking that, oh, I could just wash it out and this, that, and the third. Okay. Then, here's a man, a Louisiana man. He has went viral for pretty much doing the same exact thing. A Louisiana man, he like I said, he went virus for doing the exact same thing, but this time he went online talking about some oh that gorilla glue, it ain't real. Watch me put this on my lip. I'ma put it on the cup and watch. I'm just gonna be able to lick it and it's gonna come right off. Gorilla glue ain't shit. They showed him a couple hours later sitting up in the damn emergency room with the glue stuck to his motherfucking lip. Why? Because you don't believe shit stinks. You don't believe things is real. Now, they had to take him and peel the motherfucking cup off. And now he didn't lost skin to his lip. I don't know why y'all motherfuckers think this Gorilla Glue is for play play. 
There are actually people out here that's using it as a bikini wax. And what the fuck? It is an adhesive. So now this is really kind of opening it up. You know, these glue companies to all types of, um, could be opening them up all types of lawsuits because I don't wear lashes. I, I don't know how to do them. I just can't wear them. But I have seen girls use um, bonding glue that's supposed to be for your hair on their lashes. So um, I'm pretty sure that you know, this can go a whole different situation and people is thinking that this is a joke. Oh, that didn't really happen. Oh, it's not real. No, fuck that. I know how to read labels and that shit even says if it gets on your skin as you might want to consult a physician. Um, Yeah, you might want to consult a physician. Uh. So why would I put that on my body? Look, y'all, I have Gorilla Glue in my house because I, I, my kids break shit, not break shit. It happens. So, but you know, we do use it for minor fixes of minor things, you know, like a ceramic for flower pots, um, I use it for certain things in my garage. You know, that's what it's for. It is a adhesive glue, an industrial strength adhesive glue. That's what it's for. It's not for any parts of your body. One time I had on some little thin ass pants and I was just doing little minor work. I, I can't remember what I was putting together. I was putting together something and the drop of that shit got on my pants. Do you know? I, I hurried up and moved it quick before it stuck to my leg. Because if I wouldn't have moved it quick enough by the pants being so thin, that glue ate through my fucking pants so quick. That's what I'm saying. It's adhesive glue. And now you have people that thinking this is, ooh, this is a new trend. Gorilla glue. No, this is not a trend. This is not funny. The woman that did experience this, Miss Brown, she did say it was a very painful experience. She would not recommend anyone doing that. She suffered with constant headaches. So that means that shit leaked down probably to her scalp. I would not be a bit surprised if she has some type of burns to her scalp or any parts of her scalp area that just haven't came up yet. And I'm pretty sure it's a plastic surgeon. He gave her some shit to put on her hair that's going to have her like mane and tail in this bitch. I guarantee you. So I'm pretty sure they hooked her up and made sure that her scalp is fine and that her hair will grow back. And if not grow back, I'm pretty sure the plastic surgeon seeing what she did would offer her some type of treatment or something. You know, they got creams for everything. But these other fools doing it just to see, oh, it ain't real, y'all. It ain't real. No, I can't ride with that. I can't ride with that. So, 
All I can say is, don't do what you see other people do. Don't. And if you see one person experiencing so much pain, discomfort, and hurt from a product, why would you want to try to replicate that and say it's not real? I don't want to replicate anything that I see someone going through that's painful, hurtful, or can possibly harm you or kill you. Let's be real. That shit ain't funny. Now, the dude with the cup, you funny as fuck. Your, your ass is funny as hell because you's a dumbass. You don't believe shit stink. I'm glad you took a piece of your skin and Fucking tip of your lip. This girl been walking around with this shit in her hair for a month. You think it's a joke. You gonna put it on your lip? You dumbass. Use a dumbass. And he's sitting up there like a lump on a log. With the cup on his damn lip. You dumbass. So now, do we live in a society of fucking um toddlers? Where we have to put on everything. Especially these big overgrown men. Do not put this on a cup and put it on your lip. Do not put this on your body. Do not play with this. It's like, what the fuck am I walking around a world of fucking toddlers? Are y'all serious? Y'all can't be for real. You can't be. And I fought the men more than the women because you know what? You thought that that girl was. Sitting up here playing. She wasn't playing. It was for real. It was for real. You can see the discomfort on that girl's face. It was for real. Oh, she did it for club, man. That gorilla blue ain't real, man. Lip looking like. Whew, like somebody ran off his fucking lip with a tractor trailer. That's what your ass get. That's what you get. It took some of my skin, too. It should have took some of your skin. She took some of your ass too. Because that was bogus. You sit up here think somebody playing with Gorilla Glue. And now you didn't put the shit in other people's minds. And so now they having quote unquote the Gorilla Glue challenge. Look. My children know Gorilla Glue is not for playing. I have a five year old. She don't even play with glue. She don't even play with Elma's glue unless she's sticking something to paper or for school. So I'm just saying. We got to do better people. Gotta do better. So I'm going to end that podcast for today. And I'm going to end my podcast the way I always end my podcast. If no one told you they love you, I do. I truly do. Make sure you do better today than you did yesterday and strive for a better tomorrow today. Thank you and good night.